Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Dr. Sarah Hansen as she begins our new series on grief. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah Hansen, and I'm happy to be chatting with you today. I live in Bothell, Washington with my um, my husband, Darren, who uh, I think we've been married now for almost 11 years. Um, he currently has our three children, Hope, Dylan, and River, in a minivan somewhere driving around so I can record this. So thank you, Darren. Um, Darren and I have been involved with Eastlake for the last um, 10 years. And personally, um, kind of my own background, I have worked in the field of mental health for the last 14 years, mostly providing individual therapy and teaching. So I was asked to um, put together a three-week series on the topic of grief. Um, Next week, my friend Roy, who also works in the mental health field, he's going to be coming and sharing about the intersection between racism, trauma, and grief across generations. And on week three, my friend Sarah and I will have a conversation about grief. She's going to be sharing um, a little bit about her own journey. And then we're going to talk about um, how to support someone who is grieving, whether that be perhaps yourself or um, a friend or family member, and plus offer some grief practices that we both have found to be helpful. But today I'm going to be sharing with you some of my own thoughts on the topic of grief. Um, I've been drawn to learning about grief most of my life. I often um, chose it as a topic to write about in graduate school. I tend to buy lots of books on the topic of grief, and I even chose to write my dissertation um, on this topic, which I'll, I'll probably get to talk a little bit about in the third week. Um, so ironically, as we begin, I have to share with you um, something I really hate, and what I really hate are endings. And I thought I would share a list of all the endings of things uh, that I hate. So I, I hate the end of TV series, okay? I hate the end of movies. When you're in a theater and, um, remember when we used to be in theaters? Um, when the lights come up and it's kind of like that, that awkward, um, the credits are rolling and you've just had this really wonderful experience watching a movie and it comes to an end. Um, I hate the last bite of ice cream or really any dessert for that matter hate the last sip of coffee in the morning, um, saying goodbye to family or friends after a really fun time hanging out. Uh, the day after Christmas is the worst ending of all. Um, December 26th, I'm so sorry if that's your birthday or a happy time for you, but I find it to be dreadful. Um, I hate the end of a really good book, the end of vacation, the end of a great party, um, the end of anything relaxing like a massage or a pedicure or manicure. Um, and I hate the end of summer. 
endings are hard. And I've started thinking about what really gets to, um, what really bothers me about them. And I realized that they're all to some degree a loss. Obviously some greater than others, more life-changing than others, but loss just the same. It's like all of them are little pinpricks, small reminders of the larger, more painful experience of loss. It's as though I'm grieving and this experience of grief lights up the deeper, more painful experiences of grief. So for example, in some ways, my last sip of coffee in the morning and the feelings that can sometimes follow if I pay attention to them can actually lead to thinking about um, the grief I, I hold for my Nana who passed away um, not long ago or the heaviness I feel for the world, my family and friends or even at the deepest part of me, that deep awareness um, of grief, I feel as I anticipate life's worst moments ahead of me. Grief is a universal experience. Every culture has their own language for grief, their own rituals, beliefs, and customs. And yet grief is present. It's a language that we all share and that we recognize. To put it simply, grief is what follows loss. It's the natural response that we have um, in life when our lives are completely turned upside down, never to return to normal ever again. So what was your last experience of grief? Or perhaps what was your first? How do you grieve? Oftentimes, um, we only think of grief in relation to losing a loved one, perhaps to death. However, we know innately that life brings about multiple ways to experience loss. We lose our jobs, our pregnancies, our marriages, friendships, um, our independence, our freedoms, our identities. We lose our hopes and dreams, our faiths, our beliefs, our certainty. We lose a sense of safety and security. There is much to lose and much to grieve. There's also been a lot of models of grief offered to us. Many have researched and written, philosophized and created frameworks around grief. And perhaps that's because we so desperately want answers or control, a way to make sense of tragedy and pain. So how are we doing with that? How do we cope with life's most difficult moments, experiences, and realities? It might seem obvious, but sometimes I think we forget that grief is not something to be fixed or to move on from or to recover from, right? Uh, Megan Devine, who's an author, um, writes an incredible book on grief called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And she writes this, grief no more needs a solution than love needs a solution. We cannot triumph over death or loss or grief. They are immovable elements of being alive. If we continue to come at them as though they are problems to be solved, we'll never get solace or comfort from our deepest pain. So she goes on to write about the difference between mastery and mystery, kind of in relationship to grief, encouraging us to approach grief not as a problem to be solved, which would be that mastering model, but a mystery to be honored. She writes this, bowing to the mystery of grief and love is such a different response than fixing it. Coming to your own broken heart with a sense of respect and reverence honors your reality. It gives you space to be exactly as you are without needing to clean it up or rush through it. 
something in you can relax. The unbearable just, I'm sorry, the unbearable becomes just that much easier to survive. So we need to acknowledge and turn towards our grief and our loss, our difficult emotions and feelings, and see them as they are. Accept them. Experience them. So caveat to this, I'm not saying you should put yourself in harm's way or be unsafe. Sometimes those feelings and emotions can bring up suicidal um, tendencies or thoughts or self-harm. Um, if that's the case, it's definitely time to, to seek help and reach out to someone. And resources will be made available if that's what you need. I'm talking about unpleasant feelings that are difficult to look at and experience. The ones we tend to shove down, avoid, distance ourselves from. Sometimes the avoidance tendencies and ways we turn away from these parts of ourselves, they actually end up being more painful than just accepting and looking directly into the eyes of our grief and our loss. We can easily distract, medicate, and run from these more difficult emotions. And honestly, sometimes a distraction are ways to help us get through the crisis. That is completely understandable. But it's really when we completely numb or bury these emotions and feelings to a point where they actually begin to show up in our bodies. Hypertension, panic attacks, depression, fatigue, stress are examples of symptoms that could be unprocessed grief or pain. And the reality is they won't go away. They just sit there heavy within us. So what's something you might do? It may be as simple as being intentional and finding the time and space to focus on what you are feeling, allowing the emotions to arise and without judgment, just notice what they feel like. Where do you feel them in your body? What would you name or label them? Write it down and maybe share about that with someone. Pay attention. However, I warn you, that sometimes, and you know this, when we sit in that quietness, what comes up is painful, um, painful memories of loss. And the reality is that we are a society that actively seeks to avoid discomfort and pain. And a lot of times we wanna help others do so as well. I'll really never forget um, this one night when um, my daughter Hope was a newborn, so it was my first baby, and I was holding her, rocking her, and I realized I had this sudden realization that she someday was going to experience pain and loss, regret and fear. And I just broke down and I was um, quietly sobbing as I was holding her. Um, and I just felt this huge weight of emotional pain that really did almost feel unbearable. And my mind was just racing with ways like, how am I gonna protect her and never let her feel pain? or suffering. We don't want to lean into our losses at times because it hurts. And when we hurt and feel pain, we have this sense of feeling out of control and perhaps a fear of it's never going to end. Hey Eastlake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous 
people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community, but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. Um, in my fourth year of graduate school, I went to my mentor, who is also my dissertation chair, and I sat down, I just remember sitting down in a heap, super dramatically, I'm sure, in front of her and said, this is all too hard. I have a new baby. I'm in classes. I'm writing my dissertation. I'm at an internship site. I'm married. Um, I just don't think I can keep this school thing up. I think it's all just too hard right now. Uh, I definitely expected her to kind of respond with this, like, oh, yes, you know, you are in pain. I see that. So we should immediately stop and let's give you a break and uh, maybe take this semester off. Um, and I was really surprised by how she responded. And this is what she said, and I'll never forget it. She said, Sarah, there's not many things I'm certain about. But one thing I am, pain is real. She said that she was not laughing by the way she just said that straight pain is real she said just because something is painful doesn't mean you're doing something wrong and I remember um it hitting me maybe for the first time or recognizing that I had connected pain with doing something wrong by accepting that something can be hard and uncomfortable and the right choice or something that we need to continue to do. It gave me peace about moving forward. Um, once I decided it was okay that it was hard, I felt a sense of relief. So in relationship to grief, the reality is it will hurt and it's gonna be hard and that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. There's not a right way to grieve. Pain is a message we need to pay attention to. Megan Devine writes this, there's a power in witnessing your own pain. The challenge is to stay present in your heart, to your heart, to your own deep self, even and especially when that self is broken. Pain wants to be heard. It deserves to be heard. Denying or minimizing the reality of pain makes it worse. Telling the truth about the immensity of your pain, which is another way of paying attention, makes things different, if not better. She goes on to say that your pain needs enough space to stretch out, to unfold, to spread out. So it's really important to find places where this can happen, where you don't have to keep it all together or zip it up tight. Your pain may be expansive, and it's why sometimes actually being outside in nature is a place where you can finally breathe deeply and allow your pain to run free. Before facing your pain and your grief head on, it is important to commit to being kind to yourself throughout the process. And maybe in, in these three weeks, this is an important um, piece that I would want you to be thinking about. You can't expect perfection or expect it to all just work out in the end, or even that the grief will minimize because it might not, or at least not minimize or reduce in the ways that you really want it to. So you might try asking yourself, 
What do I need in order to feel more supported inside my pain? Or how can I make an impossible situation easier on my heart? So be sure to write down maybe some thoughts on that. Maybe it's a person that you need by your side. Maybe it's just space and time. Maybe it's a cup of hot tea and a really good therapist. So what would kindness to yourself look like today or this moment? I'll be honest. Here's my list of kindness to myself. It sometimes looks like only wearing stretchy pants and a giant sweatshirt. Kindness could be telling myself, Sarah, you're doing okay. It will be okay. When my kids are crying and melting down after a long day, kindness is stopping trying to get everything done and clean and, and um, you know, everything look a certain way and just entering into the total chaos. It's giving myself permission to feel and experience the range of emotions that I do while also giving those around me that same permission. It's going to weekly therapy, taking vitamins, drinking water, and when I don't, it's saying, you're doing okay. It will be okay. So much of being kind to myself starts with how I talk to myself. Here's what I want you to hear clearly. Grief is not a sprint or like even a mountain to ascend. There's no finish line waiting for you to cross it. It's just gonna be there always. And it will change like life does. And it will be hard and painful. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Grief is not meant to hurt you. The loss, the tragedy and the situation did hurt. And perhaps that is still hurting you. But that's separate from grief. Grief is that connection to what was lost. Grief is love. We don't grieve that which we did not love. In fact, we grieve because we love. A few days ago, we were just beginning to put our kids down to bed. And we had been playing and eating dinner. And my daughter, Hope, who is seven years old, was on the couch and suddenly was very tearful and upset. Um, I went and sat down beside her. I assumed, you know, she was mad about going to bed or her brother had done something to make her sad. And she, instead, she looked at me and with tears, you know, brimming and rolling down her cheeks, she looked at me and said, do you promise that you will not die until you're 90 years old? And I immediately felt a panic. This is what I had been afraid of. My throat got tight. And I was on the edge of just wanting to brush it off. Um, I just wanted to kind of, my gut was like, oh, let's just go to bed. Let's not go into this right now. Um, or I had this, this idea of, or I need to dive down. I need to dive down deep and really enter in. I thought of myself at her exact age, experiencing this awful realization that everyone dies and it is awful. I went and wrapped my arms around her. That was my first instinct. I knew I first needed to calm our bodies down and kind of soothe us both physically. I wanted to give her a sense of safety while she was experiencing this existential crisis. I didn't want to fill the space so quickly with the right words or really words at all because I knew that her body would remember more than what I said in the moment. 
I was also trying to speak really calmly to myself in my head saying, you're okay, it's going to be okay. So here's what I did end up telling her. I told her I would try my very best and that it was okay to feel really sad about this because it is sad. And I reminded her that I was here now hugging her and with her in this moment of pain. And as I did so, my younger flash front, you know, flashed in front of me, reminding me of what this felt like to experience as a child. I also thought of myself holding hope as a newborn baby, grieving what was happening, what was going to happen, which was happening right in front of me. And also this real realization that I am grieving my own future death, right? We're, we are aware of that. It all felt sad and heavy and painful. And yet there was a connection. There was familiarity and significance and it needed to be looked at and I needed to pay attention in that moment. And it felt really good to do that with her. Frances Weller, one of my most favorite writers on the topic of grief wrote this. How do we learn to carry out grief and not collapse or turn away in denial? How do we come to see grief as vital and necessary and not something only to be endured? To achieve this shift requires a revisioning of grief, not as an event in our lives, a period of mourning, but as an ongoing conversation that accompanies us throughout life. In essence, we are asked to take up an apprenticeship with sorrow. So I invite you to take up this apprenticeship with sorrow, with grief. There's no right way. There's no rush to arrive somewhere. It's about embracing the, the mystery over mastering it, leaning into difficult emotions, not labeling all difficulty or hardship as a sign that you're doing something wrong. And most importantly, responding with kindness to our aching hearts. Oscar Wilde wrote, where there is sorrow, there is holy ground. And I welcome you to that holy space. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.